Hello everyone, and I'm ready finally to do a podcast, which is kind of a reminiscence of the years uh, of when I was in university and I had a radio show back in Sherbrooke that's in the early 90s. It was about the same time I discovered raves and that period of time was quite magical for me. It was a time of freedom of expression and I could share music I loved. Um, I was also having fun trying to make some pranks on people and would have people phoning on the radio show and we would talk about music and uh, it was fun. It was also difficult because in the early 90s, it's not like now, there was not much electronic music. And listening to electronic music was very complicated. It was complicated to find in the first place. And second of all, not everyone understood what it was. And then if they knew what it was, a lot of misconception was about it. A lot of people associated really cheesy radio style dance music to techno and techno had nothing to do with it. And so these years were um, very interesting because it felt like I was always on the search of music that I loved and connecting with people that also loved the music. Fast forward to now, um, where am I right now compared to back then? I mean, it's the same thing. I'm still trying to connect with people that love the same music as I do, except the music that I love is much broader. Uh, I'm fascinated by music that is produced in very high standards, and I'm very fascinated by the production of music. So the number of people that I'm trying to connect with has multiplied by a lot, and that's great because I love people and I love connecting with people and this is why I always enjoy talking with random people on, on chatting on Instagram, on Facebook and any other platforms. It's something that I just enjoy doing. So why a podcast? And I know that there's so many podcasts and so many artists have podcasts and why do I want to do this? Basically, like I said, I just want to do an extension of what I was doing back then. And also, I think that weekly I get a lot of communication with uh, clients and other artists. And there's a lot of information that I can't uh, just keep up with. And there's a lot of that that could be shared with everyone. And I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to record sort of a log or a journaling uh, vocal journaling about uh, things that I've said, things I've discussed, and findings as well. I find a lot of stuff. It's funny because there's a white studio thing, the, the guy with the snake oil uh, concept where he just uh, bitches about plugins that he finds, and it's kind of okay. Uh, I just find his attitude a little bit rough on the edge sometimes so I want to talk about plugins I'm not going to do demonstration or maybe I will eventually but the idea of the podcast that I, I, I kind of want to do a radio show this show is with video do will I do that all the time I don't know it's kind of a lot of work but I do want to record um, audio podcasts because I do love to listen to a lot of podcasts while I'm driving or when I'm cooking 
And there's a lot of podcasts out there, but there's none that really do or cover what I like to be doing. And that is electronic music and the kind of music that I do. And sometimes I find that the commentary about what they do is, is very shallow. It's very, it lacks philosophy. It lacks kind of understanding and empathy towards uh, the research of what one is trying to do. And so the, the process of music making, when I, when I coach, um, I try to explain to people that one of the most important points about music production is the road that you take from the beginning of a song until the end. And the ending part is often the part you control the least, and it's also the most difficult part to, to grasp. And that's okay, that's the beauty of it. The part that you control is the journey of production. And that's not often covered enough in podcasts, in my perspective, I find. I wanna, I wanna share what I think and maybe that will please some people down the road. So um, this podcast, the Feedcast, uh, will be airing hopefully once a week, every two weeks, maybe. I'm trying to stay positive here. <laughs> and as a disclaimer, I would like to say that uh, I'm an audio engineer. That's my job. And I haven't went to school for that. I come from a background of uh, acting and also psychology and computer science. I've did the three branches. And it's funny enough because I never studied audio engineering. I learned everything by myself. And the beauty of that is if I can do it, you can probably do it too. And I've learned a lot down the road. I've learned so much that I think there's something to be shared, which is the experience of learning by yourself. Is it doable? Is it possible? Is it a good thing? That's something we're going to look into. And your questions, your comments will be really helping, uh, helping shaping how we're going to do this together. And I think that it's possible to do everything by yourself. It's also important to reach out to get information and, and on things that you don't control. But it's doable. And I'm going to explain you how I did it and also what you can do. And maybe we can work together. That's also something I love to do. And it's not too crazy to think that maybe soon enough you'll be making music. Or if you do music, maybe at one point you'll be a professional making money out of it. It's not so much an illusion anymore. It wasn't 20 years ago, but it's way easier today. But it demands a lot of work, lots of patience and dedication. And you also need to be really professional and uh, discipline. So anyway, that podcast will be about this. Uh, coming up in the podcast this week, we're going to be discussing about some plugins that just came out, some software as well. I'm going to be talking about VCV, Reason, Quantum, to name a few. Also, uh, I'll be discussing um, some things that I've done with some clients, some discoveries and some plugins that I've used on a certain project this week. I might show you a bit of uh, before and after if that happens. 
also discussing some uh, relevant discussion that I found on YouTube that I loved that I've been sharing a lot with clients. So all that this week. Let's get talking about plugins first. I think we all love plugins. Plugins are the source of sound and sometimes effects. And they're quite important if you're making electronic music because um, they're tools. They're the tools that generate um, new ideas and they often allow you to shape uh, the sound in a way that you can do with like effects that are coming with the DAWs. And, you know, like when I coach or when I work with people, I'm always mind boggled about how people are reluctant to invest into third party uh, plugins. It's as if they think that the company that made the DAW will have the best EQs, the, the best uh, reverbs, the, the best of everything on top of working on the DAW. And I've worked in a startup and just to create one plugin, sometimes it, it really took a big team. And um, if you think about a company like Ableton, they have a large team, they have programmers that do everything and, and I mean that related to the DAW. And when it comes to developing all the plugins, I'm not sure how they do it, but maybe they have like sub themes about it or maybe they work with a subcontractant or something like that. But in any case, their plugins are great. Um, if we think about the glue compressor, uh, for instance, that has oversampling mode, which is an important point in compression, uh, they work with an external company. Uh, so they modeled, uh, I think it's the SSL compressor and they work with uh, Cytomic, I think its name. So it's an excellent company and the compressor is great. It does a really good job. Personally, I like it for quick compression, but it will never beat um, compressors by Kush, by, by example, or something that Waves done or UAD, Universal Audio. They, these guys emulate uh, analog compressors. It's a different thinking. Um, and right now, at the moment of this plugin, uh, this podcast being recorded, one of the things that is very popular in, in plugins is to use uh, impulse response model to create or to, to scan how certain piece of gear are made and, and respond to sound. And using that emulation, which is beyond my understanding, they can really recreate and, and seize the sound that these machines can do. It, it's not like a regular di digital plugin that can really emulate the thing just like this can do. So the investment for these companies are, are quite large and this is why these plugins are expensive in, in some cases. And you pay, but you also get something out of it, which is high quality uh, results. For instance, FabFilter. FabFilter's EQ blows up the EQ, the stock EQ of most DAWs, if not pretty much all of them, even Pro Tools, I find. I've used Pro Tools for, for a little while and ended up hating it because I was mostly doing production and for production, it's not answering my workflow. It doesn't work for me, but that's, my experience. I know a lot of people love it, but 
it's interesting to see that, for instance, Ableton took a large part of the market of Pro Tools uh, in the last years, and now uh, Pro Tools is losing a lot of people and it's still super expensive. So at some point, maybe they will have to change their business model because I'm not sure if they will be able to keep up with this uh, market being eaten up by different guys. Uh, even Studio One is also grabbing a lot of the, these people now. Uh, Mixbus and Bitwig. So FL Studio, of course, is one of the leaders as well. So the market is saturated. is It's grabbed by a lot of people, and 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 I don't want to just like go on a tangent, but all that to say that. They all like big team, big team, and when you think about FabFilter, they develop their plugins probably one at a time, and after that they do maintenance. And this team is just concentrated on making the best out of it. And ProQ uh, is by far one of the best EQ out there. I love it. But recently I found something that kind of uh, blows it. it completely, which is Equilibrium by um, DMG. That plugin is sort of major league EQ. Uh, nothing that Pro-Q, um, it's not like it's not doing a proper job. It's just the Equilibrium is way more uh, deeper in terms of configuration. You can go and select per point different emulation of hardware and the level of oversampling is bunkers so if you mix an entire pro like a project with that eq and you put the eq here and there and only use that eq it's crazy like what it does to sound like it, it shapes it in a way that sounds extremely professional and, and beautiful so I think if you are going to invest on plugins, it's important to, uh, first of all, try demos. Uh, I always try demos all the time, uh, but it's definitely important to try to invest per quarter. So for instance, I have my go-to EQs, but once in a while there's a new EQ coming out. I love the new functionality. and in my year, I will not buy more than four EQs or uh, four compressors, which is a lot if you think about it. So maybe one would be enough. Uh, but this year I invested in the Equilibrium, which is very expensive. And I'm not disappointed at all. It's super solid. It's lacking one thing that Pro-Q has that Equilibrium doesn't have, which is the uh, dynamic points. So the filters uh, in Pro-Q can be dynamic and also the, the plugin can also see different instances across the mix and they all communicate between each other, which is beautiful and extremely practical. The Equilibrium doesn't do that or maybe it does and I don't know yet because it's so deep that I've, I feel like I'm learning something new each time I use it. So they complement each other. They work well. Um, they one can be used for one thing, and the other one can be used for something else. And all that to say that uh, I find that investing in third-party plugins is the way to also trick people that listen to your music. Uh, if you only use stock plugins, it it develops a sound. It's it's the sound of Ableton. It's the sound of of 
uh, Studio One. There's like the thinking of it, the style, and also everyone uses it. So you sound like everyone else. And if you use third party, you're kind of blurring the cards a little tiny bit, you know, like tiny bit, but just enough to have a sound that is yours. And that's what you're after. At least that's what I'm after. And as a mastering engineer and mixing engineer, I love to make combination of certain EQs and, and compressors per client so that each client can sound a little bit different and not totally exactly like, oh, I'm going to mix all my clients the same way. No, I, you know, the more someone books me, the more I kind of narrow down his tastes and eventually find out, okay, that guy loves tape com saturation and loves the SSL compressor and uh, loves an EQ that is more on the digital side of things. So, um, yeah, I think if you're going to do this seriously, investing seriously is also something you should do. Plugins of the week that I've been checking out, there's a few. Uh, there's Quantum by Waves Factory, which is a super interesting transcend shaper. And that shaper uh, is uh, Waves Factory. It offers what a lot of Transcend Shaper are using, and there's a lot doing a great job nowadays. So uh, this one kind of, I, I haven't explored everything that it does. And uh, when I saw it, I was a bit confused because it's sold sort of, uh, it's, it's described as Quantum is an audio plugin that separates the audio signal into attack and sustain parts with 16 built-in high quality effects that you can apply to each part independently. It redefines possibly the transcend shaping. Yeah, I agree. So what it's saying basically is that you can decide in the sound that is coming, you want to isolate the uh, maybe the last part of the sound or the transient of it, and then add tools such as reverb, EQ, pitch shifter, vi vibrato, limiter, lo-fi, EQ, phaser. They have the multi-effect thing that is uh, included in this uh, transient shaper, which is extremely unusual, but that concept isn't new at all because um, Melda Production, which is a plugin company I've been using a lot in the beginning, since the beginning of my, my studio, uh, I bought the complete bundle because all the plugins are incredibly deep. Uh, they can do a lot. And there's one thing that I love about it, which is a lot of their plugins are called multiband. And the multiband functionality of these plugins allow you to isolate the transient and the decay. So, for instance, uh, a reverb that is multiband, because they have multiband reverb, not only you can shape your reverb in the room saying, I want Hall's reverb for the highs, and then I want uh, a room reverb for the high mids because I don't want it to be too crowded, and then I want a plate for the mids. So that's possible with that. But then you can switch it to multi-mode and say you want a, a room 
reverb on the transient and the attack, you know, the first part, and then a, a plate uh, reverb or a hall reverb on the decay. So you, you can shape your sound like that. And you can do that with the phaser. You, there's a flanger. There's compressors. Uh, yeah, I don't have the list, but there's a lot of them. So the Quantum uh, from Wave Factory is doing this is, is interesting because uh, Melda is kind of like the underdog of plugin developers, I would say, because they are a little bit under the radar. You don't see them advertised everywhere, a little bit here and there, but it's, it's kind of like a secret. And uh, they do high quality plugins. In, in, in my thinking, they are seriously kicking Wave's ass uh, deeply with the functionality they're offering. Wave is has so much marketing power that they're taking over the market. They're everywhere, but honestly, I hate them. I hate, really hate them. They piss me off. The installation um, process of adding the installer, it it's super buggy and works once in a while, and then you have to update and it just, makes me really cringe each time I have to use it. And then what happens is uh, recently they went to another version. I don't know if it's 11 or 10. I'm, I'm kind of lost with that. And then they ask me to pay for more money to do the upgrade of all my plugins if I wanted to use them. And I was just like, okay, that's it. You just, of course, all the plugins, you, you sell them for $29 and then I don't know if you've seen it, it's it's ridiculous, but it says it's like this plugin is like $350, but you can have it for $29 today only. But the thing is, if you go every day, it's like today only every day of the year, which is like $29, which is, I don't understand that strategy. In Canada, it's illegal to do that. Anyhow, I don't want to bitch, but... Um, yeah, Melda for me is a leader. They're they're ahead of everyone. They have been a bit silent recently. Like I haven't seen too much new things coming out from their side, or maybe I missed out. I saw that they they do like uh, a drummer, uh, which is like a take on Superior Drums, which is an excellent drumming option. So their drummer is a little bit uh, difficult to understand, but it, it, the sounds are great. And so back to Quantum, Quantum is kind of doing their own thing. It's interesting to see that they put effects. The effects I checked are good. Uh, they're nice. And what I did is in Ableton, I used them with modulators such as an LFO and I, I played with some uh, variant knobs and it, it was interesting. Uh, and everything that they do, Wave uh, Factory, is super high quality. So if you look at the other stuff they, they've, they made as plugins, they did um, uh, Spectra, Spectra, I don't know how to say it in English, Spectra, which is in uh, Saturator, but it's really killer. It is mastering great compression, not compression, but saturation. And uh, it does a fantastic job at, because you can saturate per band, 
and also separate from mid side or left right so you can really shape a song just playing with it it's fantastic and there's cassette which is a cassette player for people that do lo-fi hip-hop this is pretty handy I use it once in a while sometimes to get a texture of lo-fi uh, texture there's a bunch of plugins that do that I find that the Wave Factory plugin does a pretty decent job at doing that. And their flagship uh, plugin, if you haven't this in your toolbox, you should get it right now, which is the Track Spacer. Track Spacer has been there for a few years now, and it kind of became uh, an essential in everyone's uh, array of tool. So Spectra is, if you don't know what it is, it's, it's kind of magic. It does side chaining, but based on the frequency that the sound is occupying, meaning that if you use a kick to be side chained with the bass, then it's just gonna read the kick's frequency and it's, it's gonna duck at those frequencies only. So you could also shape that the kick is side chaining only in the middle part of the bass and not touching like the, the low end. If you think about most side chain uh, compressors that are out there, they just duck the signal depending of the incoming signal. So sometimes like the compressor of Ableton has an EQ, so you can EQ the incoming signal and just get like a part that will be the trigger. But the thing is, if you put that on a pad, the pad will be ducking, uh, which is the kind of French touch. Uh, David Guetta style, like pumping effect that has been really popular in electronic music, which is in my, in my taste, a little bit old school now. Like it's not so much something that you see, it's a bit too much over the top and it's been used and overused. It's practical sometimes, but sometimes you want something more surgical and track spacer is the tool that you want for that uh, i can see how quantum could be very handy with uh, spectra if you just shape the incoming signal with spectrum and that signal goes into track sh uh, track shaper track spacer sorry <laughs> and then your incoming the, not the incoming sound but the affected sound will be uh, used in a way that is just shaped completely differently could be fun I'm gonna experiment that for sure that's gonna be something um, very interesting another plugin that I noticed well it's been announced for a few weeks I think two weeks now but it's uh, there's two plugins and it, it's funny because these two are not totally in competition, but they are definitely kind of doing a little bit of the same thing. There's VCV Rack, maybe you've heard about it, and there's Reason. So VCV Rack has announced the second version of the Rack coming. It's been announced for quite a while, but now they release a teaser and they announce that it will come as a VST. And if you don't know what VCV is, it's an emulation of an, a Euro, uh, Eurorack um, modular with tons of open source modules inside. And it's fantastic. It's phenomenal. The sound is 
incredible. You can still see a difference between your rack and that, but still, if you hesitate on going down the rabbit hole of modular, I greatly encourage you to check out VC. First, it's free. There's tons of plugins for free, uh, modules for free. And it allows you to test, um, test a lot of possibilities to see, first of all, which modules you're really using and appreciating. And sometimes you think you're going to need that module, that module, that module. And you do like me, you buy them all. And then you get back home and you start playing with them and you realize, oh, damn. That one I didn't, I'm not going to use that <laughs> or, you know, I'm just going to leave it aside. Maybe I'm going to use it in a year or two, but that's not part of my workflow. So what I do now is I constantly play with VCV, try to find a system that I like. And when I find the system is really working and answering my needs, then I'm like, okay, so I need this, 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 this. And I go to my, um, to my, my modular, my hardware one, and then I do it. And I can make a bunch of patches in VCV, even randomize and see, okay, so if I randomize this, it sounds like this, okay. And then I can look at the knob and come on the hardware version and then emulate that. And it's very close, but most importantly, I don't make any wild expenses anymore and I'm way more organized. So, you know, like one thing that not many people will tell you, the frustrating part about the modular is just patching and unpatching and trying to find the perfect patch. And sometimes you have to just disconnect and, and remove a module and put another one. And it's, it takes time. It takes a lot of time. And I find that for the results that I get, Sometimes I find that all the time invested is more frustrating, frustrating than anything. But you know what I said before? I said the journey to get to the end is very important. In my journey, I don't like to spend time on the hardware part and trying to make something work. That, that frustrates me. So, you know, in the journey of making music, there's things that I love and there's things I don't like at all. And um, yeah, doing that on the hardware part is not something I appreciate at all. I like recording a lot of raw ideas and then spending time in the computer itself, in the box, and then see what I can do with that. That's sort of where my fun is. And that I can do it for a long time, for a few hours every day. So VCV is great for that because I don't have to patch on patch. I can quickly get to a sketch that is satisfying. And then after that, I will be um, making a song or multiple songs with all the material that I recorded. And that's that's like the beauty of Eurorack, which, which is uh, hardware, is you don't get any distraction, you're just doing it. And I'm not a fan of trying to make a song out of the Eurorack. I'm more there to try to get weird sounds and new ideas and clumsy, weird sequences that I couldn't do with the mouse click because that's so precise that it's sometimes too much. It's a bit photoshopped to me. 
it's too much on the grid and with the euro rack it's a little bit all over the place you don't really know what you're doing i you know i know but i don't know and there's no beginning or end it's just if you let it play it's just going to play forever so um it's exciting in a way but demands time and you need patience so vcv is great for that and reason uh, reason is a bit like vcv and interesting enough the reason 11 was uh, a groundbreaking version for them because they came up with the vst meaning that you can open reason as a vst in any daw and that's incredibly helpful for someone like me because before i had to do the rewiring and it's just uh, but with the vst is beautiful because you can shape your rack you can get what you need and then after that you uh you can record directly in in the software you cannot edit i mean you're, you're going to use the daw that you have for sequencing ideas so that part is not part of reason it's just the rack you just open different tools and patch them and it goes in Ableton, for instance, and then you can send MIDI notes. Very practical. And the plugins uh, that, or the modules that are in Reason are super solid. They rarely, if not never, fail to, to do what they're supposed to be doing. They never crash. That's the beauty about Reason. It's really solid coded. Um, I find like the downside of having that sometimes it, it feels a bit frustrating to invest in, in plugins and reason and then invest in third-party plugins as well so reason 12 came with reason plus which you can pay another monthly fee and with that you have access to a bunch of things sounds and who knows what I, I didn't check but it's like another monthly fee I can't afford that anymore I have so many that I don't know how they squeeze money but it's, it's that model of monthly fees it's it's crazy because if you think about it musicians are the one that have the least stable revenue in the industry uh, Everyone makes money out of the musicians and the musician is like making music and everyone's make, taking a part of the cake and the musician is always last. Always, always last in getting the revenue. Everyone gets some revenue. The developers, labels, distributors, mostly distributors than the labels, by the way. Uh, streaming platforms, social media, clubs. Uh, yeah. If you tour, you get some money. If you play out, you'll get some money sometimes. But you don't tour all the time. And the revenue per month fluctuate a lot. Even in the, the world of engineering, like I do, my revenues are never the same from month to month. And they, there's huge differences sometimes. So to have like, I don't know, like $300, $500 a month of... Uh, subscription is crazy you know Slate Audio, Kush Audio, Eventide, uh, uh, Reason, um, there's what like SoundCloud, Dropbox, uh, WeTransfer, what else there must be something else I'm forgetting but there's there's a bunch 
Um, and all those, I kind of need them, especially if I work with multiple clients. Um, everyone uses different plugins and you don't want to sound the same all the time. So uh, yeah, another one. And uh, I don't know what would be the alternative to this and I would love to come up with a suggestion. I mean, I have a suggestion, but it's, it's kind of silly and I don't, I've been seeing that for years and I don't know if someone will ever hear me, but I wish softwares like this could be, you, you pay per use. So let's say each time I use it, it's like a dollar. And at the end of the month, I'm billed on the number of time I use it. I know, I know it's kind of weird and but honestly, if it was like that for every software out there, like I would be happy to pay per use that I, 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 I do for, for, you know, like I would pay for Photoshop per use and Ableton and anything. And some months where I'm making more money, then, you know, it would be more expensive. If I don't the next month, then maybe less. That would be fantastic. Anyway, I understand that's not probably a viable model, but it would be fantastic for us musicians. Anyway, if I compete uh, Reason 2, 12 and VCV2, uh, is there one that I prefer than the other? They're, they're really different. Reason has its own in-house plugins. They have tons of tools that you won't see in VCV. VCV has by far way more. Uh, than reason. I find in terms of sound quality, both have their own aesthetic. I find that VCV has an aesthetic that is a bit closer modular and reason is a bit more, it sounds very warm. It sounds analog by, by sometimes, but it has like the digital cleanliness, but not annoying. So there's a bunch of albums that I've done in the past where I was really going into deep dub stuff and lots of the stuff that I did back then was on Reason alone. And a lot of people were asking me which modular I used and I was like, I'm using Reason. And honestly, a lot of people were not believing me and it, it's, it's true, I, I was using Reason. It was working perfectly well and it was really blurring the lines for that. So if you can, you can have both. You can have Reason and you can have VCV. The VST version of, of VCV will be, I think, a little bit similar than Reason. I'm quite concerned of the CPU usage on VCV because the VCV uh, was quite uh, intense if I use a lot of plugins sometimes. And uh, yeah, so it's it's difficult to say but hopefully the the cpu will not be out of place two videos that i um shared with with people recently that was um very that were really insightful there was the dan warrell uh he did i don't know if you follow dan warrell on youtube but he's excellent he's uh very talented audio engineer. I don't know so much of his work, but I checked some examples and I, I kind of stalked him a little bit and I, I love what he does, but it's just the way that he explains engineering is 
uh, he's probably the best I've, I've heard. I, I mean, I love the guys from Mix with the Masters, but the problem with the, the, the Mix with the Masters or there's a Pure Mix, there's another one as well. These guys are great, but sometimes I feel like the examples they use or uh, how they approach certain things, they have in mind uh, like highly professional engineers and the way to explain things is 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 not always accessible and i remember mixed with the masters i followed them for a few years and then eventually i got fed up of that because they were doing things like putting a plug in and be like like doing a on off and then they would be like you see the difference and i wouldn't hear anything and i would just like try my best and i i didn't know if it was the video compression that was tricking or if he had like a really high quality sound system that he could see the difference or hear the difference, but I couldn't. And I talked with a lot of people and people like pretty much everyone that I, I know that were following them on Mix with the Masters said the same thing. They said, it's, we learn a lot, but many times they show things that it doesn't make any sense because we can't hear what they're saying. Uh, we can't understand the examples, but I've, I've learned a lot. So anyway, Dan Worrell is extremely accessible. And everything that he said and every videos that he posted are super accurate and solid. And the one that I love recently that he posted, well, it's a bit old, but it's amazing. It's about loudness. And he's basically uh, destroying all arguments about people saying that tracks should be louder and louder and louder. This has been, it's, I'm really tired of this because 15 years ago, that was already a topic. And it's just, we, every single conversation about loudness war that lasted for, for a long time was tiring because there was all kind of arguments about it. People want it louder and da, 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 da. And down, just kind of nails it on why loudness is superficial and to quote him stupid <laughs> so he's explaining different things about dynamics about why djs don't need all their sound of the same loudness and if you have five minutes i think it's a five ten minutes long video it's really worth watching it because he will explain you some things about loudness that you need to hear if you still believe that loudness is important. And that will make my job easier. Uh, and I will be really happy if you can check it out. It's important to know this because it's if you're a label owner, if you're a musician, you have to understand that loudness is something that was important maybe 10 years ago but it's a superficial bubble of concept that are not relevant anymore. And what makes me really happy is the new generation of producers that I work with, they are less inclined to ask for very loud music. Actually, they get annoyed if it's too loud, which really pleases me. So it seems like the message is, is being passed on and uh, the, new, the, the, the new kids that are emerging in music production have a brighter and, and clearer vision of it, which is great news.
Another video that I will um, share the link to is Andrew Shep that I, I love that guy. Basically, each time I listen to him, I, f I feel this, this feeling of soothing because he's sharing a lot of the things that I see and when I teach, it, it just explains it better than I do and he has way more experience than I do as well. But it's interesting that if you do engineering for a while, I think a lot of people start thinking the same way. Because um, what you realize, one of the things that I, I realized, and this was the point of his video, technical, the technical part is the part that a lot of people are trying to grasp. And what's tricky here is you can't grasp it unless you have tons of experience. And what's interesting is that there's a lot of people on YouTube and blogs and that are trying things have to be done this way and this way and you put the, the limiter at, at this setting and the compressor at that setting and then you're going to get to that result, which is not true because all these are irrelevant dependent of the incoming signal. So we don't know how the recording was. We don't know the sound design. Is, is there a resonance in it? Is it harsh? Is it dense or not already? All these points that are in the sound itself will determine how the compressor EQ limiter have to be set. So what Andrew was saying is doesn't really matter. What matters is how you feel the sound is through the line. And it's, you know, in the, in the process of learning, you're going to overdo it. And sometimes you're going to underdo it. And that's okay because you need to do a lot and to make a lot, a lot to understand, okay, this is the sound I want to go for. And I need to make a lot of mistakes. And also, this is why I ask people to do a lot of music and, and mix yourself and try to understand that when you use that kind of sound, you're going to get that kind of result in mastering. And when you do use this kind of synth, that kind of reverb, it's going to translate in that way in a club. You, there's no magic way. There's no specific book that's going to explain you how it works unless you just try it and you spend a lot of time doing it. And that's the experience side of things. Remember I was saying I didn't study, I learned everything by myself and trial and error was the way that I've learned the most. Tons of errors and asking, asking around, how do you do this? How did they, how did this artist make these hi-hats? They sound so clear, how do you do that? So these are ways that will speed up the process more than trying to follow a cookbook about mixing and mixing um, electronic music. There's no specific way. And honestly, sometimes what I like, some people come to me with the mix they've done. It's not perfect, but the way they did it is puzzling because it's their, their own aesthetic and I kind of like it. And what I do as an engineer is I will just kind of just correct a few mistakes so that it will sound proper, like clearing the low end and just adjusting the tone. But the mix itself is original. It's 
the artist and I'm not there to tell them they're wrong. I'm just going to tell them, okay, this resonance will be hurting. I'm going to tell them the facts. And if we do this, it's going to sound muddy. And if you do that, it's going to sound boomy. But besides that, if that's what the client wants, it's fine. There's no wrong or right. It's about finding what's your aesthetic. And Dan is great at that. And the thing I love about Dan is uh, technique of mixing with headphones. He's, he's known for that and there's multiple uh, tutorials about how he does it with uh, uh, headphones. I find that extremely securing for me because I do all my mixes on headphones all the time, which explains why the, the treatment here is minimal and probably not accurate, but I love doing it on headphones and I find that I do better job like that and when I heard that he does that too I was like okay cool I'm safe if, if Dan does it and if my mixes sound good then I'm good then I know I'm doing my job proper properly so I'm recording the outro of this podcast a week after I recorded the first part and the reason is because um, I kind of wanted to take it a bit of distance of the first few things that I did in the first part um, and so where I stand now is I've seen a few things since and I was thinking about sharing uh, what happened in a week uh, so that we can kind of wrap it up um, first of all it was funny because the day after I recorded the the first part I um, I got an email from Melda saying that they released all the plugins at version 15 and they did uh, changes in the GUI which was the weak point of the plugins that they sell. Um, I downloaded the, the, the new version and they're, they're pretty great. Uh, they look nicer, easier to understand. I wouldn't say I'm in love with the design of what they did but there's an improvement. It's kind of easier to understand what you're doing. But there's still, I don't know why they don't hire someone that is solid in UX, just like FabFilter does. Something that is graphically attracting and wants me to spend time in that plugin. We often forget that the better it is at what it looks like, and by better what I mean by that is like attracting and clear and kind of intuitive to see where the information lands and the, the parameters, how they're disposed and kind of like if you do like a change on the left and then you have to go on the right to adjust something else, it's not practical. So you want the knobs and the sliders to be nearby each other. And the whole thing about mimicking analog uh, layouts is something it's, it's starting to be a bit old right now and I find that um, FabFilter is a great example of Isotope as well of very pristinely detailed and, and pleasant to look at and if you think about max for live plugins there's like uh, new patches that are coming out that are way more inclined to put energy into the design and that's it makes it really fun to work with and to me that's sort of 
where I stand right now. Like I want to use plugins that are convenient and, and, and of course sounding good, but I want to be having a good time working with them. Anyway, that whole bubble about Melda is maybe a bit too much right now, uh, since I like them in the first place. Um, so I just released a new article on my blog. Maybe you want to check it out. It's about how to communicate with people in the industry. Uh, it could be creative people or label owners or PR or, or YouTube channel owners that you want to publish one of your songs. And I'm giving a broad range of tips of things you can say and do that can ease the communication with those people. And uh, all day I work with creatives, I work with, with artists and label owners. Some are really good at communicating, some not so much, but you have to face it. A lot of creatives are uh, introvert hermits that prefer to be in their studio. And when they're out, they are not so at ease interacting with people. So that will sometimes reflect by emails and Facebook interaction or SoundCloud communication. Or there's people like me that are introverts, but the fact that I can communicate and there's not someone standing in front of me, some it it's helpful because the social anxiety of sometimes being in front of someone is you are in the present and it can be overwhelming to know if you're saying something nice or if your nonverbal is kind of betraying how you feel. You don't get that online. And uh, I, to me, it's, it, it makes it easier for communication. But I see a lot of people are struggling even by writing or maybe some people are better in person and not so good online. Um, all that to say, that article covers a few different things that you can do if you want to connect with artists. We all have artists that we love and it's not always easy to get in touch with them. And how do you want to to make that happen is mostly by, um, you know, simple things such as don't try to oversell yourself. Don't ask for something. Sometimes people just come to me and they ask for a free song or they ask for uh, advice or feedback on their track and there's no introduction. I don't know who they are. And they think that I'm just sitting in front of my computer just waiting with anticipation that someone somewhere sends me their track for feedback. I know I do that a lot with my coaching group, but it's not something that I always want to do. I also want to talk with people. I love talking with people online. And sometimes I just open Facebook and I call randomly a contact and have a chat. And sometimes I just wish people were kind of taking the time to say, hey, how are you? What's up? Um, what, what are you working on? Uh, what's the current thing that's on your mind? Which plugin have you discovered lately? You know, like just chat, you know, as if I would meet in a bar or something and not necessarily talk about just music, but it could also be about, I don't know, social cause and things that are happening in the world or anything on your mind. It's, we have an amazing tool, a powerful tool 
in social media to communicate with people around the world and yet um, we don't use it as much as we could and if you think about it it's the first time in the history of the world that we can um, have the chance to communicate that easily so it's like I find that we have so many tools for making music and so many powerful ones and we're still not faking all the potential of them. We're still exploring and by the time we get used to something new, a new technique, a new technology, then there's like already like another round of things that are appearing and we get distracted and we try the, the newest thing and then forgot what we learned. Uh, before and we just just jump from one thing to another and same thing with communication we are like as soon as I feel like I have my network set up and I I have my my things running and uh, some people just ghost me or they just disappear or there's like a new trend now people are on telegram or the next thing is signal and it's it's, it's it's really difficult to follow up and I think I think in the industry um, if you want to work with someone um, the thinking is to think about uh, inclusivity and, and include people and bring people together and and show leadership by inviting people and not just sending an event on Facebook which is really impersonal but more about taking the time to see, okay, um, this person could be interested in my event for this reason. And then like, maybe I can just reach out and talk about this, this person. I do this sometimes with music and I do this with my label and I have friends that contact me because they want to know about uh, the music that I worked on. They want to hear artists, new artists, new songs. And I, I send them uh, music that I hear and they love it. And that's communication, that's building relationships, it's creating uh, something common. And why I'm talking about that now is hopefully I can find time to make this podcast happen and do it properly. Maybe not as long each time, but definitely would like to keep up uh, sort of like a vocal journaling about what's happening in my life what am i thinking about right now what am i seeing what am i hearing and how can i help people so i ask people to ask me questions there was a, a few questions that came up i'm just gonna check um actually we'll be faster with my phone so i was asked um this person that I work with, but also part of the coaching group, ask um, what are the tips to work faster? So I selected that question for multiple reasons. And one of them is that um, people want to work faster. And I, I would say that it's important to work faster because you can have like uh, a better control of of what you're thinking and what you want to say and what you want to do but there's a downfall to that which is uh, 
I find that I could talk about many tips that I have, but all these tips came from one thing, which is practice. You can't speed up if you don't have experience and you don't have uh, practice. So I can tell you like 10 tips of things you can do that speed up the process, but until you practice these tips, it doesn't mean you're going to get faster. So it's actually going to be counterproductive because maybe these tips are, are more aligned to how I work and not so much about how you work. And I'd say that I find that the best way to speed up your process is to kind of find, kind of put your, your work, your workflow into little phases and practice one phase really like a lot such as uh, sound design just do a lot of sound design um, and then you do mixing you do a lot of mixing and you do a lot of loops and you do this until you see and you can tell that you're speeding up and when you start speeding up then you can look for tips and there's tons of videos on YouTube of people compiling ways of working really fast personally I find that one of the uh, the breakthrough this year for me to speed up the process was to work with a lot of sequencers there's a nice uh, article that i made about different types of sequencers once you know a lot about sequencers and how they can speed up your patterns it it makes a world of difference of instead of just programming by hand and um, sequencers are made for speeding up the process and for picking up samples I find that tools like XO by XLN is an amazing tool about finding all the samples that you have in your computer and really quickly find the ones that you need so that would be my 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 tip my starting point which is where do you lose time put your workflow into phases and then practice each one at a time until you speed up and you find where you're blocked, where's the one that you really need help with. It's so broad. If you have any questions, what I would love is you can send me a private message, send me a audio clip so we can add your voice in the podcast with you asking the question and be really precise in what you want to hear about. And you can say about what's your situation right now, what you're struggling with. And it can be a question about you're hesitating between signing your to a label or releasing on Bandcamp yourself. Any questions is welcome. And if I get a few, it, it would be really nice to focus on people that are listening to create content for this podcast and not just me talking for an hour, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So all this to say, thank you. Thank you for um, this first podcast. Thank you for Patrick Haggard for editing. And uh, soon we have more for you.